Welcome to the Critical Conversations podcast, hosted by two critical care nurses who are doing things differently. We're here to discuss our healthcare system, why preventative health is so important to us, and what you can do about it. What if I told you, you had the power to change the trajectory of your life? Would you do it? Welcome back. This is Critical Conversations podcast episode number five. This is Bree. And this is Laura. And we are continuing the conversation from episode number four because we were getting a little too deep and it was taking a little too long to get the message across. So we decided to make it a two-part series. So we kind of dove in and told you our stories and the dogmatic food ways of eating that we have prescribed to in the past and fad diets that we kind of fell victim to and spoiler alert they didn't work and it all circles back to real food and that conversation in itself is complicated and we are here to try and simplify it for you the best we can so we wanted to dedicate this episode into talking about the dogmatic food groups of vegan vegetarian paleo keto um, and the fad diets such as whole 30 weight watchers those kind of things so a lot of you probably know what most of those diet groups are but some of you don't so we're going to spend the first few minutes just kind of defining what they are because some of those words and terms might be new to certain people and we want to make sure everyone's on the same page with us so hey laura go for it hey so let's start with the very basics that we can go through really quick Um, vegan avoids all animal protein and all animal products including um, butter and eggs and all animal stuff. Some vegans actually um, won't buy anything leather as well. It depends on what their purpose is and what their why is, but that is what a vegan is. Um, Vegetarianism is focused on vegetables. Some of them eat fish and eggs and some of them do not. Let's see. We have keto. Keto is one of the newer ones. It is exceptionally high fat, um, about 50 to 60% of the calories coming from fat. Its focus and what people are using it for is for weight loss purposes. It can also really be used um, medically for neurogenic issues uh, and has been shown to actually be very helpful in a lot of medical cases. What else do we got, Ray? Um, there's paleo, paleo, which kind of falls into the same category as keto. First, there was the paleo movement before the whole ketogenic discussion kind of took rise. Um, but paleo kind of goes back to the paleolithic area era way of eating. So thinking about what the caveman ate. So Laura and I talked before, I think in podcast episode two about real food being what our great grandmothers ate being real food. Paleo takes it to the next level of the Paleolithic area and saying that most of the food was meat-based with some vegetables, very minimal to little to none of grains and fruit and seeds. So it's just a limited diet in its own way. Um, Vegan, vegetarian, paleo, keto, and then you have the high fat low carb, which is pretty much keto, and then the high carb, low fat, which is usually the vegan way of eating because they have to get most of their calories from grains and seeds and different things since their protein intake with the meat is much, you know, it's not existent when they're avoiding all animal products. Um, 
And then the fad diets we touched on in the last episode, the 21 day fix, which is just one example of the diets that limit calorie counting and yeah. kind of teaching you to look at food as a calorie and what's in it. We are kind of making a general statement of fad diets because I think that the makers of some of these fad diets weren't anticipating them becoming fad diets. Um, and it really felt Maybe. there's a lot of truth behind them. No, I think that like Whole30 has become kind of fad diet-ish, but yeah. not intentionally, definitely not by the creator. I think the creator was setting out to kind of show people how to eat and show them how their bodies could really function without certain things and really kind of weeding out any some like food problems that they, people might have and not know about. And people right. have kind of taken it and run with it in a different direction and taken it to be um, more of a fad diet when she never int- intended right. it to be like that. So Melissa Hartwig, the founder of Whole30, originally created Whole30 as a way to determine if there were certain foods causing different reactions in your body, kind of allowing you to become more in tune with the way food is making you feel. Exactly. And she cuts out a lot of the major allergenic food groups, such as dairy, wheat, eggs, soy, different things like that. Sugar being a big part of it. Yeah. But also when you cut out all those things because you're cutting calories subsequently by taking out all those different food groups, you also tend to lose weight on a plan like that. So I think that type of way of eating took off as a weight loss diet itself because of the benefits. And I think you're right. She originally created it with a different purpose. The intention behind the creation is not the same as how people are necessarily using it. So I think it's become a little bit more fatty than she would ever have decided it to be. Whereas fad diets like Weight Watchers are created to teach you to count calories and create put food into categories and count points based on food systems, and that was intended to be a fad diet. So there, there's just different extremes, I guess. I want to make sure that we say, though, because I, for me personally, at least, Brie, I don't feel as if any, even fad diets were ever created out of malicious intent. I don't think that anyone was like, I'm going to get these people with this. I think there's a lot of Usually it's coming out of a good place, but it's being kind of spun. And as soon as money gets involved, it definitely takes off into a bad place in some right. c- in some circumstances and not and in I all think circumstances. Kind of signing on to any one fad diet for a short term amount of time, it changes your habits. It changes your awareness of the food that you're eating. In short term, you are going to feel better, most likely, with anything that you start. I don't think it's, that's true. <laughs> it, well, if you're cutting out, I if you're truly terrible. cutting out the processed packaged foods and introducing... Well, it depends on what you're more counting. Because like, some things, like the Weight Watchers, are not necessarily promoting a whole like real food. They're promoting you counting calories. Right. You see what I'm saying? So I don't th- necessarily right. think that it's promoting good health. It's promoting whatever. It's promoting weight loss usually. Yeah. Everyone's well, very programs like Weight Watchers are promoting the calorie is a calorie sort of yeah. stigma that if you're restricting calories and burning more calories, you'll lose weight. And that might work for you short term, but long term it's not sustainable and it's not healthy for your body and your long-term health and the damage that can be done by restricting calories and not paying attention to the actual nutrients is where the long-term effects come into play. 
And I think that kind of, that motto applies to all the different food dogmas that we've talked about and the food fads, because all of them, the one thing they have in common is they're restrictive. They're restrictive in their own way. They restrict you from eating one thing and tell you to eat more of something else. And it might work short-term because it changes up your way of eating. But long-term, like we talked about in the last episode, you will most likely start to feel like you're being enslaved by that way of eating. And I think that most of these things were created by people who it might have actually worked for them. Like they might have personally felt great doing it. And then they marketed it as something that you should try because they felt great doing it. And so you have people who are always, there's always people looking. I mean, we have people message us personally all the time. What are you eating? Show us what you're eating. We are all so individual. We all have such individual gut microbiomes, his like gene setup. Our bodies are completely different. Energy expenditure throughout the day. To the point that I can't tell you what you should eat. I can give you like very general guidelines and it always will end up being eat real food. But I think they're made by people with good intentions. And I think it was taken off by people who wanted something to work for them. And sometimes it did. And sometimes it just becomes a set of rules. And I think that people really like to box themselves in. They like to feel like they're part of something. They like to feel like they're part of the team. (laughs) So they go and find their team and then they feel very committed to that team. And they don't necessarily have a great why or their whys change, but they feel guilty about changing teams. And that's why we're discussing this because really there's lots of things to crowds to belong to, but we want you to feel the freedom to not only flex and kind of reassess your why, and maybe you it worked for you at one point, but that no longer works for you and feel freedom in moving kind of moving teams or like completely bouncing out and not having a team and just doing your own thing because you knew you finally have figured out what feels good for you. Right. And that team mindset creates that us versus them as well. It creates this stigma of this is working for me and my group and it's better than the way you're eating because of this this <laughs> everything and that. becomes a competition right everything i think it's human nature right we want to fall into a category we, we want to feel like we fit we in yeah yep and there's always a leader usually with each group and there's people out there that truly want to lead and they truly they may truly believe that their way of eating is the best way of eating But creating any one set of food rules is dangerous long term because of the restriction. And it also doesn't, but it doesn't allow you to grow as a human. It doesn't allow you to be shift and change, adapt. Right. Yeah. And who I am now is who is somebody who's different than me 10 years ago. And what I need now nutritionally wise is, is different than I even needed six months ago. And I can tell you that full on wholeheartedly that right now I'm eating more meat and I don't even know why, but I know I need to. And I would say like three months ago, I was eating a lot more vegetables and I'm eating a ton of vegetables still, but I wasn't eating as much meat. And I was finding my protein in vegetables. And I think that you have to allow yourself, this is again, my personal opinion, but I really do think that you have to allow yourself 
to identify what you need because you're going to need different stuff when you're doing different things, whether it's having, doing different exercises or your body is going through hormonal changes or you're in a different area of stress in your life, you're going to need different stuff. Right. And if you feel like you have signed on to one specific way of eating. Yeah. That's not adaptive to that. Right. You (laughs) might start feeling guilty, ashamed, based off of food cravings that you're having or, or you might not feel do like it that you're doing it wrong right. or you know all of that and that's what we want to get away from yeah I know personally shifting back to just within the last year when I ate red meat for the first time after not eating it legitimately for 10 years I was afraid I was afraid <laughs> to eat it again because I didn't know how my body would respond. Yeah. I didn't even know if I could digest it properly. I didn't know if I had the right enzymes or if my gut microbiome would be able to handle it. Shockingly, nothing happened. I waited thinking this is going to be terrible. I'm going to be miserable. I'm going to have abdominal pains. I'm probably going to throw up. Nothing happened. My body did just fine, and I actually started to feel better. It was incredible because it was all in my mind. I had told myself I couldn't eat these things because of the things I had learned around them. And at that time in my life, it was my why. To me, it was important to avoid those foods because I felt like I was making a difference in the world with global warming and just the quality of life for animals. I thought I was making a difference for them and for myself. But when I shifted my mindset and decided to let go of those rules, I felt better. Yeah. Like it was as simple as that. And I expected a much bigger story around that. And it was simple and easy. And I have transitioned into just letting go of all of those rules. So let's dive an amazing feeling. Let's dive into that really quick because I think that you said it pretty simply. I'm just going to kind of point out something when you let go of the rules. Mm -hmm. So, what is it? I think that we're both on the same page in the regards of like a very general, we both kind of live by a very general rule and it's just to eat real food and kind of do what your body feels like it needs. So what do you follow now, Bray? The only rule I have is no gluten because gluten destroys my body. Gluten causes severe digestive issues and a rash all over my skin. That is a fact. I did not make that up in my head. I can recreate it anytime if you want to make me eat a piece of bread it'll happen that sounds that yeah and I don't want to experience that again right (laughs) but that's that's truly a food that is affecting my body it's a food that my body is reacting to that I cannot have to avoid right right it's different from the rules I was making up before it was the rules that I was following because I was told that it was the way of eating so do you that's my only rule do you count anything No, absolutely not. Okay. Do you ever, um, how do you pick out stuff at the grocery store? I shop on the outside of the aisles. I always go for the produce section first and fill up on fruits and vegetables, um, pick up some fresh meat if I feel like I want it or need it for that week. Sometimes I go to that department, sometimes I don't. Um, and then go around and get the staples like eggs, um, I get grass-fed pasture-raised ghee, which is a form of clarified butter. Um, And then there's like a few staples on the inner aisles that I'll go in and grab if I need them. But sometimes they don't even go on the inner aisles because that's where all the packaged food is. It's not, you know, there are certain packaged foods that we absolutely have to keep in our house for convenience factors and just for staple ingredients. 
but I, yeah, I don't have a list of foods I can and cannot eat. <laughs> like it's strictly, I don't eat gluten. I try to buy organic whenever possible. I used to beat myself up when I was first learning about the benefits of organic versus non-organic. And I wouldn't buy things if they weren't organic. And I started to realize that that was putting stress and pressure on me more than I needed to as well. So organic if possible and no gluten. That's my rule. Perfect. Yeah. What about you? What would you say? Um, I know that you and I talked about this earlier, but I'm going to say the same thing. If it costs, if it costs my joy, it costs too much. (laughs) It does. And a lot of things like I feel, I feel way better eating real food. I do not count calories anymore. I don't step on scale anymore. I don't do anything with numbers anymore because it doesn't serve me. It actually puts me in a really bad place. Um, I know that it, it puts me in a place that like puts me in a place that makes bad decisions and I want to make yeah. the best decisions for myself. It affects um, your mindset when you start paying attention to numbers. For sure. So I, I think if anything costs my joy, it costs too much. So if I want to have a glass of wine with friends, I'm going to, in fact, I'm drinking a glass of wine with Brie right now, um, <laughs> over Skype while we're doing this podcast because it's Friday night and Hey, it's time to drink a glass of wine and it feels right. And do I drink every night? No. And do I think that you should be drinking constantly? No, but it feels right for me. And that is part of it. And I think when I feed myself, I actually consider my whole self, which to me is mind, body, spirit relationships. It all comes in and all is under the umbrella of health. And, um, to be a completely well-rounded health, uh, healthy individual, I need to have to be really serving all of those parts of me. So I try to, I go to the local farmer's market every weekend. I buy meat for the local cow or the local chickens, as I like to call them. Um, <laughs> it's the farm that's right down the street from us in Ojai. And I know that not everyone has the ability to do that. And it's grass-fed, pasture-raised. The cows have names. Like, I know that's distressing to some people. If it's distressing to you, I'm sorry. That's how I like to pick my food. Yeah, but um, for you, it works. That's a good it, For me, it works. And then I talk to all the farmers who like sell me the avocados. And so I, I go and get my vegetables. Um, we try to eat more vegetables than meat and kind of have meat more of as a condiment, like a side. I grew up thinking that like protein was the main dish yeah, and that's vegetables a great were the side. So I've kind of reversed that and I eat more vegetables than I do meat. We don't eat meat every day in our house and we eat only one to two servings of fruit. And I have really managed um, to cut down significantly on my added sugar once I became very aware of that. And what really changed everything for me was just reading ingredients. When I learned about reading ingredients, the whole world opened up. I was like, yeah, this makes sense. This makes sense. So Brie, if you, I know for me, if I were to tell anybody one thing to kind of kick you off, to kind of detangle this world, it would be to read ingredients and to eat real food, meaning the things that don't need labels. If you know what it is without a label, eat it. If you look at the back of an ingredients box, go in the middle of the aisle, find your favorite package, whatever, read the back of it. And I'm not discussing potato chips here, but read the back (laughs) of like box cookies. If you can distinguish that those are cookies based on the label, I'm proud of you. (laughs) Because if you read the back of certain, of if 
even like a box of Twinkies, which is in Mark Hyman's book, you will not be able to distinguish that that is real food. Right. The list of ingredients is like 50 plus chemical names long. It does. It is not food. It's <laughs> a chemical concoction made to taste good in a lab. It's scientifically altered so that it tastes good on your taste buds, but it's not providing any nutritional benefit when you eat it. And I think right. that is the mindset that you and I both have shifted. We talked about last episode how I was vegan for ethical reasons and was trying my best to eat all the plants, nuts, and seeds, and vegetables, and fruits that I could to make up for the calories I was no longer eating. But I don't know if I necessarily truly understood the nutritional benefit as deeply as I do now. And you were doing the 21-day fix and different things and putting things and counting calories, but you didn't necessarily understand the nutrition behind the things you were putting in the boxes. my why shifted. Right. That's what I'm getting at. My why shifted from being like, what? so why was I doing all that? I was doing it for aesthetic reasons. I wanted like the six pack. I wanted to be, Mm -hmm. I wanted to look a certain way. And when my why shifted to, I want to be healthy, it was a complete game changer. Right. You were told that if you burned more calories than you ate, you would look amazing. And when you realized you were feeling terrible and lethargic and not feeling well enough to perform at your best, you wanted a better answer. You wanted to do something differently and your why shifted as you started to look into food deeper. Mm-hmm. My why shifted when I realized that there's a lot of things way more important in my life than a six pack. Right. My why shifted when I realized that I was at higher risk for dementia based on my family history. And my why shifted when I realized that my gut microbiome was like jacked up from the <laughs> the the sugar free products I was eating Ugh. and the things that I was consuming because but sugar free products don't have calories Laura so they're the good thing, for you the things I was consuming <laughs> for my previous why which was purely aesthetic which isn't wrong I don't think it's wrong to want to look a certain way I'm just saying that there's maybe there's something that's more important yeah and when my I want to touch on that though when when my why shifted my everything shifted. Right. Everything shifted. And it was so easy. So I'm sure there's people out there that are listening to us right now that are frustrated with our message because there has to be people out there that are on a mission right now to lose weight. Their why is to lose weight. Their why of paying attention to their food they're eating is to lose weight. Mm -hmm. But they're being told that calorie and calorie method and calorie counting and macro counting and those different things are the only way to lose sure. weight or drink diet soda. Artificial sugars are right. not only just a substitute to replace the flavor of sugar, but you also have to realize that there's chemicals in there that are affecting your body. Like Laura shrinking said, it your affects brain. the microbi- microbiome, shrinks your brain. They're linked and to a whole bunch Splenda, of chronic diseases. Splenda is a toxin to your liver. Yeah. So, <laughs> so all that stuff. So... You and I are maintaining our health. We're not on a mission to lose weight. But I personally know, and I know you personally know, a lot of people that have done nothing more than change up the way they're eating, start paying attention to the food that they're eating, not necessarily the calories, but paying attention to the ingredients, and the weight starts to fall off because they start to clean up their diet and their body is no longer hanging on and starving and looking for nutrients because you start to actually nourish your body. So I've gotten several messages from women in the past year. 
I'm not a health coach. Like I'm not, as far as I know, I'm just learning and I'm telling you what I'm learning as I go and sharing that with you. So you guys are on the same journey as me. Um, I hate the word journey, by the way. I'm just going to throw that out there. I hate journey, I hate story, <laughs> but we're all in the same like mindset and page. Um, and sometimes I'm a page ahead of you and I can kind of tell you what's about to happen. But what I would say is that I'm getting messages that are like, I didn't know what to do. I just decided I'd try your method of just eating real food and stop calorie counting. She's like, and every one of them has lost significant weight. That's awesome. And it's only because they've paid attention to what they're eating. And if you pay attention to what you're eating, you're eating real food. It's going to be nutrient dense food. If you're eating like from the produce section, you're going to be eating nutrient dense food. Mm -hmm. If you're eating nutrient dense food, you're not going to want to go and snack and binge later because you've actually fed your cells of your body. That's so true. So many people don't realize that they're constantly snacking and constantly hungry because their body is craving nutrients, nourishment, not calories, but nutrients. When you start eating the real foods, you want less of the processed stuff because your cravings shift, your taste buds shift. Yeah, I have to tell you a story. So one night Josh and I went out, we were like, let's go. We're just going to, we decided we would go to this pizza place. We were just going to have a pizza because you guys, I eat real food, but also I'm a human and I like to eat pizza. So we, <laughs> so we went and got a, a medium sized pizza. We split it. It was actually a lot of food. So it, was, it probably was like several thousand. It was probably like 2000 calories in just one meal. And I, I don't know. I didn't track it. I don't care, but we ate it. And we also, what else? We, we ate something else too. And we, neither of us, both of us looked at each other and we were both like, I'm not full. I know I just put away X amount of calories because I am aware of that, but I'm not full. We were, we, I felt like I hadn't eaten at all. And it was because I just, I basically ate very empty calories. There was a few things in there. There's, There's a few nutrients, but we both, and he's, and he's still kind of learning more things about it, but, and he was a little bit more of a skeptic than I was because I was like, all the way to my ankles, like more than head in deep to nutrition, kind of understanding it all. And went out, had this pizza, and I was living proof that a nutrient-dense meal makes all of the difference. My Absolutely. My, my body cells, my cells in my body had not been fed, even though I had a bunch of calories running around. And so if that's not proof to you that calories are different... <laughs> I don't, I don't know how else to explain it. You can try it on your own. You could go eat a nutrient dense meal of like salmon on top of spinach with an avocado and you're going to feel completely different than eating a half a pizza. Yeah. This is the thing though, is when you start transitioning the food that you're eating, and I'm going to say this a million times now that I know Laura hates the word so much. I hate it. So when you start your wellness journey... (laughs) And your health so and your health journey. <laughs> it's um, so cheesy. Okay, sorry. <laughs> now that I know you hate it, though, it's my mm. favorite word. Um, when you I'm start, that, just so you know. <laughs> cheers, okay. babe. When you start changing the way you're eating, there, I can guarantee you are not going to enjoy the flavor of the food that you're shifting to eating right away. You're not gonna love it. You're going to start to eat it because you have learned that it's good for you. You're going to eat it because of the why, the reason behind it, the nutrients behind it, the benefit to your long-term health. 
the more you eat it and the less you eat the processed packaged stuff that has been scientifically altered to taste amazing and it probably some of it has msg too to spike brain waves to make you come back for more the more you eat the real food the less you eat the fake stuff the mm-hmm. more you'll start to enjoy the real food and I went through it personally. My husband went through it personally, and he'll vouch for it too. He craves certain things now that he would have never imagined he would crave. Like he like wants broccoli for dinner sometimes, you know, like it just different really things like that. And you actually enjoy the flavor of it the more you get to be in tune to the nutrition within it and how it it's is. making you feel. Right? I would I would say that's even like even if you were to just like stop eating. Um, additional sugar, anything is added. If you stopped eating added sugar for a week and then you started, it's like almond butter starts tasting sweet and you're like, what's happening? Does this have sugar in it? You can actually start to taste the flavors. Yeah. You kind of reset your taste buds. Um, True story. When was it? It was like two days ago. We had stopped somewhere to get a quick bite coming home and me and Josh got um, a Diet Coke and I don't ever drink I don't drink diet coke anymore I haven't for a little while um and I had a sip of it and it straight up tasted like chemicals to me (laughs) and I was like this is disgusting that's my favorite story ever (laughs) and I was like this is disgusting he's like why I was like it tastes like chemicals (laughs) and never because it it is it is a chemical concoction that's made to taste delicious Right, but it didn't to me anymore because I'm right. so far away from that that it no longer I was no longer like under the grip of that. And that's when, awesome. When Brie was just talking about um, how things are are made to, to taste a certain way, there are there's a specific science, guys, that is directly <laughs> for for you to become addicted to food. Yeah, like there are scientists that are out to create flavors, textures, um, the feel, a mouth feel, like yeah. to make you be addicted to their food. Yeah. Let There's a scientifically proven, a yeah, it's a scientifically proven fat, sugar, salt ratio that these food scientists have discovered based on the type of food you're eating. And, and these food, yeah. these food scientists are hired by the big companies to continue to innovate and adjust their recipes based on the food trends and the new products to make the new product the next thing and trying to make it the next addictive thing. So it becomes a long-term purchase in your home. That's how it is. It's as simple as that. It's a business. There is a business strategizing to make money off of your addiction to their product. Right. I am being mindful of the fact that we are already past 30 minutes, but I just wanted to circle back to the very beginning thought of all of this. And if you want clarification on what to eat, because you're so freaking confused and you don't know where to start, let this be a guide to you. Eat what your great grandmother ate. She ate (laughs) locally, she ate organic, and I understand that you can't always buy organic. Not everyone is, is able to do the best you can with what you have and be mindful of the fact that most food found in your grocery store isn't real food. I completely agree with you, Laura. I 100% think that that is a great place for people to start, but sometimes it's not structured enough to start. Some people don't know 
what to change, what to change about what they're buying. And I think that's where the different things like maybe the whole 30 diet might come into play if you are the type of person who needs structure, but keep in mind that it's a short term plan. It's a short term kind of roadmap to get you to a new way of eating. Don't look at it as if you start something like the whole 30 or different ways of eating, that it's a long-term process. It's a change. It's a shift and it, it's there to educate you on new ways of eating and new food groups to introduce. Um, when I was going through all of my health issues in 2016, I started reading a book called The Allergy Solution. It was written by Dr. Leo Galland and his elimination diet allowed me to see which foods I was reacting to. Following his process allowed me to discover that gluten was the culprit of all of the symptoms I was having. If I hadn't focused in on the very simple foods and then introducing them slowly back into my diet based off of his direction, I may have never discovered what was the root cause of my symptoms and I may have been on prescription medication for the rest of my life. That's a much longer story. Um, But the reason I'm bringing that up is sometimes telling people to eat real food is still a very vague way of telling them to get started. So if there's a, if there is something out there that correlates with you or you're halfway through the whole 30 and it's working for you, don't listen to this podcast and stop. If it's working for you, continue it, listen to it, but also be open-minded to figuring out what works for you and don't stick with those dogmatic rules long-term, I I guess is what we're getting at. Yeah, I totally agree with you. And I would say conversely, if you're in the Whole30 and it's making you want to binge, stop. And I'm saying that because that's what I, when I was doing it, I felt very restricted and I felt like I was so restricted that I wanted to start like binge eating. So I think that you need to listen to yourself and decide, is it pushing you towards your goals or away from your goals? Or are you even doing it at the right time in your life? If you're under a lot of stress personally, it's not the best time to do an elimination diet. When I was doing my elimination diet, I was journaling everything I ate. And I am not a calorie counter. I am not a food journaler. I have never even opened my fitness pal. I'm not that type of person. But when I was focused in on my symptoms, when I got back from a a family vacation and my symptoms were at their worst and I had nothing else on my schedule for the next three or four months, I looked at my husband and said, I'm going to do this. I'm going to focus in on this. That was perfect and I'm, Yeah, it worked. It was the right time yes. in my life. And I think that a lot of times people don't take that in consideration. They mentally want to change, but they don't take into consideration everything else they're dealing with around yeah. their actual life. And you have to find the right time. Your why was really strong then. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. But it yeah. took me six, seven months of suffering before I decided – to really push through to figure it out because it wasn't Six the right or seven time. Months of, yeah, no, I, I agree. But I feel like there's some people out there that will hear this as well and be like, I've been suffering for seven years. <laughs> and for you, find that why and drive through. Like, do what you feel like you need to do to find what's going on with you. Yeah. And I agree with your point, Brie. I think it's hard sometimes. Because I do know what real food is, and I think that some people don't still don't know what real food means when I say we eat real food. Mm-hmm. I this is not a paid plug. 
Um, Brie and I are both reading this book and it's really funny because I think a lot of you are like, why are you guys reading this book if you already basically could have written it? Because um, <laughs> we're nerds and we continue to educate ourselves. <laughs> we we love to learn, but I like to hear how people explain things. And Dr. Mark Hyman put out a book called Food, What the Heck Should, we, should I Eat? And um, it basically discusses this in total, like in several hundred pages of book. And I think it's fantastic. And I think he did a lot of great research. He is a physician um, who's kind of looking at, at our health epidemics and food crisis in a, on an, under a different lens, yeah. through a different lens. Um, and I think it's really worthwhile picking up. So if you're very confused and you're still like, I still don't know what to eat. These girls, I still don't know what to mm. eat. <laughs> Pick up his book. Um, it's not that expensive. You can even get it, I think, on Amazon. I think you can get it on ebook. I think you can get it to listen in the car. Whatever you need to do um, to help yourself understand how to view food and kind of be set free to use food as both a joyful like gift right. and as nourishment to your body. Like it, it, There's no time that food should feel stressful or shameful and right. i really hope that you guys can um, reassess and reevaluate where you are why you're doing certain things and get to the point that you are free yeah so his Whatever book that means for you his book will definitely dive in it kind of categorizes the different food groups the fruits the vegetables the beans and legumes because there's a lot of controversy around lectins and legumes and then the gluten and grains and just different things and his book will give you your why. It'll inspire you as to why you should be eating a variety of real whole foods. And then right before we end this, because I know we're getting close to our cutoff, I want to inspire you to get back in the kitchen, start playing with your food, start cooking food. Some people, <laughs> some people the hardest part of eating real food is that they don't know how to cook. So I also want to yeah. give a plug completely unpaid, completely. She doesn't even know we're going to do this, but our friend Laura Lee. Her cookbook. Oh, yeah. Like if yes. you are not knowing where to start and you are hearing to eat real food and buy produce and all these things, but you don't know what to do with it, pick up a cookbook that inspires you and teaches you new recipes. It might actually introduce you to new amazing flavors and food that you yeah. don't know are possible. Yeah. And she does a good job of making it very tangible and making it home, like feel homey and feel like food you grew up with and comfort food but it's all real ingredients and she is a holistic chef and right. it'd be a really great way to start it so yeah so you won't feel deprived you won't feel like you're on a diet plan you know restrictive fad diet of any kind you're just gonna start to truly enjoy the flavors of real food and once you start to enjoy the flavors you'll stop craving the packaged stuff yeah What's the name of our book, Laura? Does it have a, a full title? I think Laura it's called um, Laura Lee Balanced Cookbook. Okay. Um, I hope we got that right. <laughs> you can find it on Amazon. If you type in Laura Lee Balanced, it'll come up. But um, definitely on Amazon. Um, it'd be a great place to start. I know she put a lot of time and effort and love into making that cookbook. And it was like, it was truly a labor of love. It had nothing to do with, it's just, she felt like that was what she was here for. So that's what she's been doing. Yeah. Yeah. I think quick, quick fun fact that I learned recently is that Americans spend more time watching cooking shows than cooking. <laughs> you read that in the book. 
Oh, did I read yeah, that? Yeah, because I read that last there you night. Go. I read that in the book. Um, but I hope that you guys can shift that and that you can get back in the kitchen and that you really enjoy all of the aspects of food and that you can really get back at it and just re- get reconnected with food. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's really our hope. So I hope that you guys enjoyed this podcast. I hope that you enjoyed, um, I know it's a long two-segment podcast, but there's a lot to talk about, and it is probably the most controversial discussions that people have and the most like emotionally charged discussions that people even discuss on like Instagram or wherever people discuss. Yeah. We don't want it to be an us versus them. It needs to just be everybody on the same page. Everybody eating what works for you. Yep. All right. Yep. So I'm going to make sure I find the true title to Laura Lee's cookbook. And also for Mark Hyman's book that we're Laura and I are both reading right now. I'll put links to those books in the show notes. Um, and we're going to try and be better about including different facts that we share and links to the products and people that we mentioned so that it's easy for you guys to find as resources. So continue to follow us on Instagram, Critical Conversations, where we're expanding the conversation with our community there on a daily basis. And you can access the episodes and other fun facts and show notes at criticalconversationspodcast.com. That's episode number five, uh, closing out the part two of the two-part series on the dogmatic food rules. We hope you guys enjoyed it. Reach out to us for any questions you may have or topic suggestions in the future and keep leaving those ratings and reviews. We love reading them and it is making the world a difference for us, guys. Thank you so much for listening and we will see you next week. Thank you. Thank you.